Matthew 24 is where we are this morning. Again, before we run to the word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we want to give you thanks for you. Lord, I want to personally, I give you thanks for revealing yourself to me. What, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, you manifested yourself to me. You showed me who you are as my creator, as my God, as my savior. For the last 20 years, Lord, you've demonstrated yourself continually as my God, as my savior, as my provider, as my teacher, as my only hope in this world. I have nowhere else to go. I don't want to go anywhere else. I exist because you chose to create me. I have life because you chose to give me your life. I know who you are because you chose to give me your word and you choose to to speak to me every single day. I come to you, Lord, with my praises and with my gratitude and my hope and my confidence. Thank you for all those who are gathered here this morning. Lord, as always, we are praying that each of us would be filled with your spirit that you give us the ears that we need to hear your voice, that you give us your mind so that we would understand, and that, we, that you give to us your power, Lord, so that we could follow you faithfully day in and day out. Bless us with yourself this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in a section of scripture that's pretty thick. Last week was a pretty deep Bible studies. We talked about the abomination of desolation as we continue through Jesus's words this morning. It's going to be the same thing. We have a lot of Bible to cover. This is where I kind of want our mindset as we get ready to have a Bible study, right? Every single time that we step into the word, it, it takes on a little bit of different flavor depending on if it's really thick in information versus application. But I want you to think about the positions of the disciples, so, how many of you guys wear Fitbits, anything that tracks your steps? When's the last time one of you guys had 40,000 steps in a day? Anybody? So, I want, you to, I want you to think about the traveling. So, from the moment that Jesus said that he was setting his course to Jerusalem, because he had an appointment at Jerusalem, to enter in on Palm Sunday, declaring himself to be the Messiah, to declaring himself to be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, how far were they traveling every day? And again, this is, this is a day and age where there's no hotels, there's no baths, it's open-toed shoes, sandals. Imagine what the feet look like, but they're roughly, I mean, who knows how far are they traveling? 10, 15, 20 miles in a day? 20 miles would be roughly 40,000 steps for us. That's a long travel. That's a long road that they've already traveled. Then, you know, they were down there at, uh, you know, they were at Bethany. They've had this experience where Jesus resurrected um, Lazarus from the dead. They've dealt with this emotional roller coaster. They've entered into Jerusalem to the community singing praises to here is the one coming in the name of the Lord. And again, these emotional heights and these emotional lows that they've processed through. Every single day that we're told that they go back outside of the city and then they come into the city early in the day, Jesus is teaching all day long. As what are the disciples doing? They're doing crowd control. They're there listening. 
This day, Jesus, they're just, he's teaching in the temple. At the end of his teaching is this harsh interaction with the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day. As Jesus is saying, I'm leaving to you your house desolate. These words, all this information is ringing into their ears and their understanding of what the word of God says. It's ringing into their ears in regards to their fatigue and what they've been enduring for the weeks prior. You have to imagine this is towards the end of the day as they're leaving the temple mound. It's now dinner time. How many of you get hangry? They're saying, look at this, Jesus. Jesus says all of these buildings are going to be destroyed. Not one stone is going to be left upon another. And you can imagine as they go into this garden where they are staying, this is, a, this is a time where the, the population of Jerusalem is swollen because it's the time of Passover. So you have all these travelers. You can smell the cook fires. You can hear the kids playing and the other kids screaming and crying. You can hear conversations. And the disciples come to Jesus privately. They say, when? How long? And what are they expecting? They're expecting Tuesday. They're not expecting 2,000 years. When are these things going to happen? What is going to be the sign of your coming? And again, Jesus sits down with the 12, and the 12, they all have their different personalities, and gives them a Bible study. This is thick information that as they're listening to the words that Jesus is speaking, he is using, he's quoting out of the Old Testament. Last week, we sat in the abomination of desolation. So when they hear that, they're sitting in this information all to different degrees of depth. Now, when we sit in a thick Bible study, half of some of us are engaged in writing notes, and some of us are just, oh, come on, get on with it, right? We're going to have another thick Bible study this morning. But again, imagine each one of these 12 disciples. They say, it says that they come to Jesus privately, and they're all listening to these words based upon their life experience. I imagine Judas is there rolling his eyes. Because Jesus is speaking words that he doesn't want to hear. So as we get into this, this again this morning, just by way of review, as Jesus is responding to them, the first section he starts talking about all of these general signs, plural. So whether it's wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquake, persecution, these are signs that all cultures for all time since Jesus is going to experience to one degree or another just the signs of life. We believe by way of interpretation that these are birth pains, that the closer we come to Jesus returning, that these things will become harsher and that they will be closer together. And again, we can sit in history and we can, we can sit in agreement with that interpretation. But Jesus is saying in that, don't be deceived, Don't be troubled. Endure, which means to remain under, remain in your relationship with Jesus and being on mission. Wherever you live, wherever he takes you, preaching this gospel, carrying your cross, taking Christ to your homes, to your workplaces, to your community, constant attention to the Lord and regardless of what you find your life context in and then he switches into a sign that we covered last week that specific when you see the abomination of desolation in the holy place run 
And again, the interpretation is that this is dealing, that that section is dealing very specifically with the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, in this future time when you see this run. Now, you can sit in the last 2,000 years of history and, and, and sit in different people's interpretations and the major categories of interpretations of how people have sat in that text. Well, what is this? The temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. So over time, Christians have sat in different interpretations with this, and then interpretations radically changed in 1948 when Israel became a nation again, and the Jews began to return to the promised land in mass. The singular greatest sign that we are approaching the soon return of Jesus Christ is the regathering of the Jewish people to the land that God promised to them. And we're watching all of these things be set up. So in verse 25 is where we're going to pick it up this morning. And Jesus' heart, as he is giving his disciples and us this information, see, I've told you, beforehand he's given us this information so that we cannot be deceived so that we cannot be troubled so that we can continue to endure in our relationship with him so that he will continue to use us in proclamation of his gospel i told you beforehand therefore they say to you look he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in your inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes and shines to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall down from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Again, just, just in those sentences I read, Jesus is quoting consistently from the Old Testament. So as, if you picture this, at the end of this long day, here they are sitting in the midst of another Bible study. They've been listening to Jesus speak all day long. We have this call to attend to his words, Regardless of how we feel, whether we're tired, whether we want something else or not, he has his way of communicating exactly what we need to hear. So we're going to sit again in some Old Testament passages. So turn to the book of Isaiah. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 13. Because as Jesus is talking about this sign, when he's talking about especially these cosmic signs... He's leading them to very specific passages in the Bible. In Isaiah 13, this is a, a proclamation, a prophecy against Babylon. In the midst of this text, verse 9, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes. So remember their question. 
Jesus, when are you coming? When are you coming with your kingdom? When are you going to be our king? And here, Jesus is quoting one of the multiple passages of the Old Testament. Behold, here's what the day of the Lord looks like when it comes. Cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. And this is what Jesus quotes. From this, for the stars of heaven... And their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move out of her place, and the wrath of the Lord of hosts. So now who wants Jesus to come? This is, this is always such a mixture of emotions and the reality of, we are praying, Jesus, come quickly. How much longer, how much longer, Jesus, before you come as king and that you rule over all of the nations? How much worse is this world going to get? How much worse are you going to allow evil to continue and swell? And we sit in Jesus' words and the words of the entire word of God in regards to what these times look like prior to his return. But the day of the Lord when Jesus shows up, We're not going to get there this morning, but go read Revelation 19 with the sword that comes out of his mouth, with the word of God, he is going to execute the nations. And this is what we're talking about as we carry our cross, as we take the gospel to all of the nations, regardless if he sends you halfway around the world or if he keeps you in the community where he calls you. We go forth in that message, we preach the gospel to ourselves. We pre- looking for that opportunity to share who God has revealed himself to be to each one of us. That he would give us that opportunity to shine as light in the men and women that we interact with every single day. Because if they step into eternity apart from Jesus Christ, what happens? It is a cruel day of God's justified wrath towards sin. And we are told that the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from the being who created the heavens and the earth and who created you and me to be in his image. When are you going to come, Jesus? Is it Tuesday? But this is, this is where the urgency of life comes in. This is where the urgency of the information, Jesus, would you please, Lord, here I am, a living sacrifice. Don't let me be transformed and and conformed into the image of this world, but Lord, transform me. Cause my mind to change and to be recreated into into the image of your mind. Give me, Lord, that heart of flesh that you've promised. Write upon my heart your words. 
So that when I read these things, Lord, I, I will know and understand who you are, what it is you're doing now, and what it is you're going to do in the future. So that when Jesus is saying that the sun is not going to give its light, the moon is not going to give its light, the stars are going to fall from heaven. The next passage is Isaiah 34, talking about this cosmic calamity. Verse 4, all the host of heaven shall be dissolved and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their host shall fall down as the leaf falls from the vine and as fruit from a falling fig tree. Continues. This again, this is God talking about his judgment on the nations. Verse two said, the indignation of the Lord is against all nations and his fury against all their armies. Jumping down to verse five, my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Indeed, it shall come down on Edom and on the people of my curse for judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made overflowing with fatness, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. The Lord has a sacrifice in body. It continues on, verse 8, for it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, the year of recompense for the cause of Zion. Jump down to 16, search from the book of the Lord and read, not one of these things shall fail, not one shall lack her mate, for my mouth has commanded it and his spirit has gathered them. When Jesus is quoting about the heavens not giving its light prior to his return as the sign of his return of here he comes because he is coming in all of his glory and no other light is going to shine when he comes. He is going to shine. He's quoting out of the Old Testament in regards to these passages would trigger into their mind and he's not just quoting one little verse and cherry picking it. It takes us to the context of those passages of here's what happens when the Son of Man comes in all of his glory. So when we go back to Matthew 24, we're given this this exhortation that we're not to be deceived, we're not to be troubled. Why? Because when Jesus comes, here's the signs of the times leading up to it, but his revelation, when he comes, he is going to be shining like lightning That will be like what the Son of Man in his coming will look like. In verse 29, it says, wherever the carcass is, the eagles will be gathered together. Super, like, why did he say that? Because of the carnage that is going to occur to all those who have refused to bend the knee to who Jesus Christ is as God, as King, as Lord, as Savior, all of this information, again, he's, he's grounding their minds and he's grounding our minds in truth and in reality. Now, turn to Zechariah chapter 12, because he mentions this, that all the tribes are going to mourn. Again, causing their minds to attend to the word of God that has already been given, that has already been preached, that they already know, that they've already studied. Jesus, when are you coming what are going to be, what's the sign going to be? Zechariah chapter 12 says, The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. And this is where our minds just need to snap into the reality. Thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens 
lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. So we can like, do away with all preconceived ideas, do away with you know, your mental state and your position and where you are this morning. Like when we engage in worship, when we gather in this place in the name of Jesus together, when we open up the Bible, the holy scriptures that we talk about, that we read so often, that we love, who are we talking about? These are the words of the being of Yahweh who created the heavens. He created this earth and he formed you. That's who we're talking about. It causes everything else to fade away and all of his glory and all of his power and all of his majesty and his grandeur, every time we approach the word of God, we need to remember whose words we're listening to. Jump down to verse 10. It says, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, They will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for the firstborn. This is what he said in Matthew 24. All the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why? Because they will see the son of man. The nation of Israel in its entirety at that time will see their Messiah will be saved by the Messiah. There will be a mourning there because of their rejection of their Messiah. There will be mourning of all the tribes of the earth for those who sit in rejection. Yet to those who receive Jesus, what a beautiful day. Jump down to chapter 13, verse 6. One will say to him, what are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. What are these wounds on you? Are these the wounds in his hands? Are these the wounds on his back? The scars that we're told that our Lord still bears? Those which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Look at verse seven. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion. Listen to this. This is God talking about the Messiah, the man who is my commanded. Says the Lord of hosts, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones and it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one third shall be left in it. So in that moment earlier in Matthew 24, when Jesus talks about the abomination of desolation to flee, and he talks about great tribulation, the definition here of the, of the great tribulation, two-thirds of the nation of Israel is going to be cut off and die in that time. 
one-third will be left. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined and test them, as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Verse chapter 14, behold, the day of the Lord is coming and your spoil will be divided in your midst. I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half the city will go into captivity, but the remnants of the people shall not be cut off for the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, which is where he is conveying the message of the Olivet Discourse to the disciples. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half the mountain shall move toward the north and half towards the south. You shall flee through my mountain valley. End of verse 5. Thus says, thus, he says, the Lord my God will come. And all the saints with you. We'll step into that verse next week as we begin to look at the rapture and what that is and the timing of it. Thus says the Lord, thus, sorry, the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. Jump down to verse 8. In that day there shall be the living water shall flow from Jerusalem half towards the eastern sea and half of them towards the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur and the Lord, Yahweh, shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be the Lord, Yahweh, is one and his name one. Back to Matthew 24. So listen to these words fresh and where you are today and how you sit in our current culture, our current circumstance, where you're sitting in your household, where you're sitting in your relationship with Jesus. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Why? Because here comes Yahweh in all of his glory. Then the sign of the Son of Man will not just appear, but will shine in heaven, the sign of the Son of Man is the arrival of Jesus himself. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Again, all you have to do is sit in, sit in the context of the book of Revelation, look at chapter 19, and sit in the emotion of this moment. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And, 
going to send his angels with the sound, with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. We're going to begin there next week as we talk about this trumpet. Interpretation here for me and my understanding is that this is not the trumpet that is sounded for the rapture, calling believing saints to his presence prior to all of these events, but this is a trumpet sounded at the return of Jesus Christ for the gathering of his elect in this context being the Jews from the four ends, from the four winds, from one hand of heaven to the other. If you are taking notes, the gathering of the Jews that have been scattered at multiple times. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 4. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 37. Ezekiel chapter 34. Verse 13, read all of those in their context, each one of them God promising to gather his scattered children. Scattered because of their sin, scattered because of the rejection of God, gathered at the coming of the Messiah. Last place we're going to turn and we'll give a little bit of application, turn to Daniel chapter 7. These are the words that Jesus, so after Jesus gives this message to the disciples, next day, you know, you you step into the Passover meal, you step into his betrayal, you step into his arrest, and as he is being tried before the Sanhedrin, it says that Jesus is remaining silent in his, as he's been arrested. And then the high priest speaks these words of putting him under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the son of man, if you are the son of God, if you are the Christ. And these are the words that Jesus quotes that the high priest says, that is blasphemy and you will be condemned for death because of your blasphemy. This is what Jesus quotes in Matthew 24. His coming, this is what he quotes to the religious leaders and their rejection of him. And these are the words that we're sitting as we sit with Daniel. Chapter 7, verse 13. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man. And what is this that our God became like his creation? One like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And these aren't just our clouds. This is the the Shekinah glory of God coming with the clouds of heaven. He comes, he came to the ancient of days. They brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So when the disciples asked Jesus, what's the sign of your coming? What are we supposed to be looking for? What are we supposed to be attending to? Jesus, again, he sits his boys down and he gives them a really thick message. But as he begins that message, he tells his boys, and listen, Judas doesn't listen. Sometimes we don't listen. Sometimes we're doing good in a season and listening for a while, and other times we're just off and doing our own thing. 
But constantly, as we attend to Jesus, what does he want us to attend to? Son, daughter, I want you to listen to my words. And not just listen to them, but take heed. Why? Because there are so many lies and deceptions out there, and there are so many lies and deceptions within you, and there can be so many lies and deceptions within the body itself. Take heed. Know my words and understand them. Learn. Pay attention to your times and your culture, but for what purpose? Not just to look up to heaven because our redemption is drawing near, but to look at the signs of our times. Do you believe that Jesus is going to return in your lifetime, yes or no? And you can answer this personally. If you believe that Jesus is coming soon in your lifetime, and we just read all of the passages about what is going to occur on this earth when he comes with the clouds of heaven and all of his glory and all of his majesty, what do you want to do? Do you want to endure? Do you want to take the gospel to your spouse, to your children, to your siblings, to your parents? to your neighbors, to your coworkers? Do you, want to, do you want to take your religious doctrine and your eschatology, or do you want to take Jesus? I want to take Jesus. Again, like I, get, I keep looking back at these guys. It causes me to look back at my past of, Jesus, look at everything that you've done in my life. Man, I'm nothing. Who am I that you created me in your image? Who am I that you called me? to change me and to transform me. Look at, look at all of I have done to, to bring darkness to your name in the last 20 years, Lord, just because I'm an idiot. Look at your constant grace and your love. Look how you have provided for me. Look how you have saved me. Look how you encourage me to endure and to keep going on. Look how you, you speak to me to call me and to give me your peace in the midst of a culture that's just nuts. Look at the people that you surrounded me with, Lord. I'm not worthy to untie any of their sandals. I'm nothing. You're everything. And when you come, I long to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. And I want to see him because I know that I'm going to be free from this flesh. I'm going to be free from everything. And I'm going to be just like him. And to know him as he knows me. Are you kidding me? I can't wait. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But God, send revival today. Our Father, we look to you now. Send revival in our midst. I need to be cleansed. I need to be washed. I need my mind constantly to be transformed. Jesus, this morning, I need to remember who you are. Father, you are the ancient of days seated on your throne right now. And we're asking that you would give to us a vision of your glory and of your majesty as you gave to Isaiah, as you gave to Daniel, as you gave to John. Let us see you in your glory and in your holiness. Let us see your wounds, Jesus. What are these scars? What is this 
that the creator of the heavens and the earth became a son of man. To be my substitute. What is this that this man was dead and buried in this tomb and he took his life back to himself? What kind of power is that? God, that's what I hope in. I'm so thankful that you have given to me, that you have given to us life and new life and vibrant life. I'm so thankful that you've given to us hope in this world that we live in, this crazy world. Even in my own craziness, Lord, thank you for the hope that you've given me and the assurance that you and you alone, you are God and you dwell in us in your holiness, in your glory, in your majesty, and in your power. And through faith in Jesus, we don't fear you, but we're in awe of you. We're devoted to you. We long for your will. We long for your revival. We long, Lord, to to cease from playing games. Keep that heart of the hypocrite and the Pharisee far from us, Lord, and keep that heart of a worshiper where we come on our knees before you and say, Lord, have mercy on us. May your grace be abundant in each of our lives in our time now, Lord. May you send revival in our midst. May you send revival in our community. May you send revival in our country. May you send revival through this world. Jesus, would you add to your church in multitudes today? May the body of Christ be encouraged in who you are this morning. May they be built in your power and in your name for your glory. And may we take the message of the cross wherever you send us today and tomorrow until the day we see you face to face. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.